0: That's your hope, that's your victory, no matter how broken you've been or how broken you are. Because in Luke chapter 13, we read about a woman that was broken. She was bent. She was out of shape. Anybody ever been bent out of shape? We say that about people sometimes. He's all been out of shape. Sometimes we say, I don't like it, but I've been out of shape about this. But here's the truth. All of us have been bent out of shape before. All of us have been damaged before. We've gotten out of our bent, our correct bent. The Bible says train up a child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. So that means train the child in the way they are bent. Find their gifts. Find their talent. Find the way they are supposed to grow and shape them in that direction. But sometimes we get bent. We get broken. When Josiah was real little, if he ever broke a toy and he broke a few, he would just say, I need a new one. It's broke. And I would say, but this one still works, but it's broke. He didn't have any capacity for something that was broken. And sometimes when, when we are broken, society will throw us away. They don't have room for what's broken. They don't have room for something that needs to be fixed. They don't have room for somebody that's out of shape, that's different than them. But this room is full of people that are different. This room is full of people that were broken but have been healed and have been delivered. You might not be able to put Humpty Dumpty back together again, but the amazing grace of God will bring you healing and deliverance and peace and strength and joy and a bright future and a destiny. You may have some scars that show where you were broken and where you were bent and where you were damaged and where the pain was, but there is a healer in the house and his name is Jesus and there is nothing, don't miss this, there is nothing too difficult for him spiritually Physically, financially, emotionally, relationally, nothing is too difficult for him. Think of your most difficult challenge, your most difficult situation, your most difficult obstacle, and for him, it's an easy thing. Oh, you didn't hear me. So you think yours is too difficult. You think your case is too hard. You think you can't, God will heal everybody else, but your problem is too big. No, 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 for God... It's easy. Look at your neighbor and say, it's easy. Come on, preach for me. Touch somebody and say, it's easy. For God, it is an easy thing. No matter how bent, no matter how broken, no matter how deformed, no matter how inoperative it might be, for God, it is an easy thing. Luke 13, verse 10. Now, Jesus, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues, one of the places of worship. Our Lord was there. He was communicating. He was teaching. When Jesus teaches, there is insight. When Jesus teaches, there is inspiration. When Jesus teaches, there are aha moments. When Jesus teaches, we should get revelation. So he was teaching in one of the synagogues, one of the spiritual places, one of the places of worship where people would gather. And it was on the Sabbath day, the day of worship. Isn't it good to have teaching on the day of worship? Isn't it good to gather on the day of worship? Isn't it good to have insight and revelation when you come together with the people of God and you worship at God's place? Isn't it good? Shouldn't it be natural and normal to get revelation and insight and good teaching? Well, that was what Jesus was doing. He was teaching. He was giving insight. And as he was doing that, there was a woman She was there, the Bible says. There was a woman who had a spirit. We don't have a lot of capacity for folks that have different kinds of spirits, do we? We want everybody to have our same spirit. We want everybody to have the same thought processes that we have. And when somebody has a different spirit or a different process, we as humans look at them differently. I wonder if the Lord was trying to teach us something here and trying to say that at the place of worship, on the day of worship, as he was giving revelation and insight, just because there was somebody there who had a spirit There was room for deliverance. There was room for peace. There was room for healing. And the Bible says, Behold, there was a woman who had a spirit. And the Bible even tells us what kind of spirit she had. Now, a lot of times, you know, we categorize people. We put them in our own box. We look them over. We sum it up. We categorize them, we pigeonhole them, and we leave no room for God to work. We size them up, don't we? We look at people like, I know you. And it is great to have discernment. We should have discernment. We should know. But we are the church. We are the people of God. If we size somebody up because we have discernment, yet we throw them away and throw them out, how can we be the church? So the Bible says that Jesus was teaching in the place of worship, in the synagogue, on the day of worship, and there was a woman who had a spirit. Now the spirit she had was a spirit of infirmity. Infirmity is sickness, disease. And she had this spirit. Let me just teach you. Demon spirits can take on any assignment in any role. A demon is one of the fallen angels. One-third of the angels were cast out of heaven when Lucifer sinned, when Lucifer fell. One-third went with him. And one-third of the angels are now demons. They're not ghosts. Somebody say, "Well, my house is haunted." No, it's a demon. It's not a ghost from somebody that died. And she had a spirit, and a spirit, a demon spirit can take on any assignment necessary. It can take on the assignment of a generational curse that's passed down from generation to generation to generation. You know, somebody says, well, my daddy was an alcoholic. My granddaddy was an alcoholic. So I guess I'm going to be an alcoholic. No, draw the bloodline, break the assignment of that generational curse. And then the Bible calls them familiar spirits. They're familiar because they've been in the family a long time. They live with daddy. They live with granddaddy. And now they want to move in with you. Cast them out. But. We call them familiar spirits and, and what I was saying is a demon spirit will take on any assignment. It can take on a lying spirit. It can take on a spirit of adultery. It can take on a spirit of L G B T Q R X Z W Y Z P P It can take on any, any kind of spirit. It can take on a murdering spirit can take on a a stealing, robbing spirit. Some folks go to Walmart, they just can't keep their hands in their pocket. It got quiet right then. (laughs) Boy, did y'all notice that? (laughs) But Jesus was teaching, and he saw this woman. She had a spirit, a spirit of infirmity. She had it for eight 18 long years. You know, Bible. the Bible teaches that, um, or as we study the Bible, we find that some numbers have significant. You want to guess what the number 18 means in the Bible? The number 18, we often use it as a compound number, nine and nine, and we know that nine is the number of birthing, and we say, well, then 18 is double birthing. Yes, it is, but it also has another meaning that is there before you have a double birthing and get out of that. And the meaning of 18 itself means to be bound. It represents binding or chains or bondage or captivity. And so she had it. It's not surprising that she had this spirit, this demon of infirmity for 18 years long years it had bound her and put her in captivity for 18 years she was bent the bible says she was bent she was bent she was broken she wasn't normal not only was she bent and not looked like everybody else but she could not fix herself She could not raise herself up. If she could have fixed herself, she would have fixed herself. She would not have walked around for 18 years all bent over. Only seeing the ground in front of her. She couldn't even look up and see the sky. She would have to sit down in order to look up just a little bit and see the sky did you know that because this occurred for 18 years there were children in the village that had never seen her look any other way When they were born, she was bent over. When they started talking and walking, she was bent over. When they went to first grade in school, if they had it, she was bent over. When they got out of elementary school and went into high school, she was bent over. When they graduated from school, she was still bent over. Somebody say, too long. And there are people in here and people that are watching online and people that will watch by television later that you've been bent over and bent and broken longer than 18 years. You have been in captivity. You have been bound. You have been wrapped up. You have been chained up. You have been broken and beaten down for way longer than 18 years. And if you could fix yourself, you would have. She could not fix herself. The Bible says she could in no way raise herself. If you could raise yourself, you would. If you could raise your finances, you would. If you could raise your children to be perfect, you would. If you could raise your spouse to be everything you need the spouse to be, you would. But in many Situations, we don't have the capacity, we don't have the ability, we don't have the know-how, we don't have the insight, we don't have the revelation, we don't have the tools, we don't have what we need to raise the situation, to change the situation, or to fix it. But I have good news. Verse 12. And 12 represents the government of God. 10 is the government of man. But 12 is the government of God. And I think it's interesting. Verse 12 says, but when Jesus saw her. So you think he doesn't see you. You think he doesn't know where you are. You think he hasn't seen your blight. That he hasn't seen that you are bent over. You think he hasn't seen your challenge. You think he hasn't seen your frustration. You think he hasn't seen your poverty. You think he hasn't seen your failure. You think he hasn't seen your struggle, your challenge, your doubts, your fears. But the Bible says when Jesus saw her, he called her to him. I read in First Peter, he says... You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood. He has, he has seen you. He has called you. He has ordained you. As a matter of fact, before you were formed in your mother's womb, he knew you. So don't tell me he hasn't seen you. Don't tell me he doesn't know you. I just need you to wake up today and get his teaching. Wake up. Open your eyes today. Get the revelation. Get the insight. Have an aha moment that Jesus sees you right where you are. He sees you in your situation. And when we understand that and we begin to understand what he says about us in his word, in this book, if we can just walk it out. There's healing, there's deliverance, there's revelation, there's financial blessings, there's increase, there's miracles, there are turnarounds. Whatever you need, he is able to do exceedingly, abundantly above all that we can ask or think. We don't have to live in poverty. We don't have to live in sickness. We don't have to live broken. We don't have to live bent. We don't have to live in the past. He has seen us. And when he saw her, he called her to himself. And he said to her, I wish I could help you. But your case is too hard for me. Oh, no, no. He didn't say that. So you're not going to let me get by with that, are you? When Jesus saw her and he called her to himself, he said, huh, I've never seen this person before oh no 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 there's no temptation taking you but such as is common to man but God is faithful who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which you are able but will with the temptation also make a way of escape that you might be able to Bear it. he knows your load limit he knows how much you can bear he knows how much you can take and he won't let he won't put more on you than you can bear without making a way of escape that you can get out that you can go to the next level that you can get victory and freedom no verse 12 when jesus saw her and he really saw her And I don't know that she was really trying to get to him. Maybe she was just there because it was the Sabbath. Maybe she was just there because that's what she did. Bent and broken as she was. Now some folks won't come because they're bent. Some folks, we couldn't get them in the Lord's house because they're broken. But this lady was there. Even though... She was bent. Even though she was broken. I'm trying to tell you, she did not make an excuse. Look at your neighbor and say, no excuse. Look back and say, grow up. When somebody tells you that, it is not a compliment. They're not complimenting you when they say, grow up. But she was there she did not make the excuse that I can't go because I'm bent. I can't go because I'm broken. I I can't go because I don't have the right clothes. I, I can't go because I'm too old. I can't go because I'm too young. I can't go because I'm too tired. I can't go because my skin is the wrong color. I can't go because I don't have any money in my account. I can't go because I have nobody to take me. I have no way to get. I can't go. And we have so many excuses in life. But here is a woman that had been bent 18 years, bound in captivity 18 years. Physically, she had been bent up 18 years. And Jesus looked at her and he said this, Woman, you are loosed from your infirmity woman you are set free from your infirmity you've been bound but you're no longer bound you are loose you are delivered you are free no more captivity no more chains no more being bent over no more being bent and broken and can't even look up unto the hills from where your help comes from he said woman you are loosed from your sickness from your disease from your infirmity from your problem, from your challenge. Whatever your problem or your challenge is, put your name in there and put your problem in there and say, in the name of Jesus, I am loosed from my problem. I am loosed from my situation. I am loosed from my brokenness. I am loosed from my excuse. I am loosed from the thing that has bound me for so long, for so many years. I am loosed. I am loosed. I am loosed. And then he laid his hand on her. You know what that is? He touched her. We just need one touch of his presence. We just need one touch of his power we just need one touch of his anointing we just need one touch of insight we just need one touch of revelation and it's in this book and he's available and he's waiting on us he wants to touch us and so he saw her he saw her need he saw her situation he saw her circumstances he saw that she was bent and broken he saw her and he sees you I need to tell somebody today. You think he doesn't see you. You think he doesn't care. You think he's had plenty of chances to heal you or touch you or deliver you, but he sees you and his timing is perfect. I don't understand why things don't happen on our time other than he's God and his timing is perfect and he knows, but he sees you, he sees your dilemma. He sees your pain. He sees your past. He sees your circumstances. He sees your family. He sees your finances. He sees your health. He sees all of those things. And right now, he wants to touch you. Jesus laid his hand on her. Not next week. Not next month. Not next year. Not 10 years from now. Immediately. She had a suddenly. She went from being bent over 18 years to immediately. Immediately, everything changed. Immediately, that moment, she didn't have to wait, there was no delay. I'm trying to tell you who Jesus is. I want you to get the character of Jesus in the Bible. I want you to get the character of Jesus who lives right now in my heart and in your heart. I want you to understand who he is today. He is still the healer. He is still the miracle worker. He is still the mountain mover. He is still the water walker. He's still the giant killer. He's still Jesus and nothing is too difficult for him. Immediately she was made straight. That which was bent was made straight. That which was broken stood up straight. Can you imagine the miracle? The bones, the vertebra in her spine, the vertebras that had been bent and deformed and turned over and that evidently had gotten stiff and brittle and crusty in her spine. No doubt she was probably in pain from being that way for so long. Can you imagine how all of a sudden, immediately, quickly, She stood up. She did what she had not been able to do for 18 years of bondage. She did what she had not been able to do for all these years. She had probably been to the doctors of that day. She had probably tried everything that she knew. She had probably tried every home remedy. She had probably talked to everybody that had something similar, and nothing seemed to help. But immediately, when he touched her, when he saw her, she stood up straight And her first response, her first act after standing up straight and having a suddenly was to glorify God. The very first thing she did was glorify God. She began to praise. I can't imagine how she began to praise God. I can't imagine how she jumped up and ran and began to jump and spin. I can't imagine what came out of her mouth praising God and glorifying God. And God does miracles for us and we don't say nothing. God spares your life and you don't say nothing. God saves a family member. You don't tell anybody. See how quiet it got? Immediately, she glorified God. Wow. She glorified Him. What does that mean? I believe it means she thanked Him. She praised Him. I believe her heart was overwhelmed with gratefulness, with thanksgiving. I believe emotion flooded her soul. And she did not hold it in. See, we tend to hold things in. We, we live in a church era where many churches are taught... To hold it in. As a matter of fact, you're out of order if you open your mouth and say, Hey, man, you're out of order in some places if you lift your hand. You're surely out of order if you stand up and you begin to jump a little bit or if you begin to spin a little. You're out of order. They will will take you out. I wish I could get somebody to help me shout in here. I wish there was some praisers in here. I I wish there was somebody that would glorify God in here for what he's already done. I wish somebody would lift up a shout. I wish somebody would dance. I wish somebody would praise him. I wish somebody would glorify him. I wish somebody would give the devil a black eye because God has been so good to you. If God has been so good to you, You ought to stand up on your feet and praise and magnify the Lord for he's the one that set you free. Praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him, praise him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He said, woman, you are loosed. He took dominion authority over the spirit of infirmity. He took the anointing and the power and the authority that it had over the demon spirit that had bound her for 18 years, and he cast it out. But notice, he didn't say to that spirit, go. He just said he saw her, and he touched her. And the spirit had to go. James 4 7 says, Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. Submit yourself to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. We make it too difficult. I'm glad for deliverance. I thank God for deliverance. I've done deliverance. I've seen people go through deliverance. Thank God for that. But James 4, 7, I'm an advocate of the Bible. James 4, 7, submit yourself to God. Surrender, apologize, repent, confess your sins, invite Christ into your heart. Submit to God. God. Resist the devil. devil, I'm done with you. Get out. Leave me alone. Get out of my life. Get out of my family. Get out of my head. Get out of my heart. Get out of my body. Get out, get out, get out, get out. You don't belong here. Go, 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 go. Submit to God. Resist the devil, and the devil will flee. Period. It's what the Bible says. The problem is some folks, they like the devil. They love to coddle their demons. You know, they got a demon of infirmity. They love to tell everybody how sick they are so they get sympathy. Not me. I want to be healed. I want to walk in healing. I want to walk in healing all the days of my life until it's time for me to go and then just go on home. I don't, I don't plan on laying on a deathbed. I don't plan on being sick. I don't plan on being incapacitated. I don't plan on getting to the place that I can't run and jump and dance and shout and play golf and go fishing and go hunting and do whatever I like to do my granddaddy was that way and I, I, I believe the Bible said he's no respecter of persons if he did it for my granddaddy he'll do it for me if he's done it for others he will do it for me so just live healthy be blessed of God we say we are the blessed and the favorite of God I am the blessed of God amen scripture gotta push the right button <clears throat> now there are always going to be haters how many know there's haters where you work there's haters where you live every now and then even a few, a few haters slip into the church but love them anyway and either they'll get saved or they're going down the road the goats you have with you always but the ruler of the synagogue, he saw all of this happening. He was the ruler of the place of worship. Isn't that interesting? There are religious leaders today that are just like this guy. Same kind of people, same kind of spirit. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation. What does that mean? What's indignation? What, what's indignation? He was angry. He was frustrated. He was aggravated. He did not like what he saw. A woman had just been healed after being bound up 18 years, and the religious guy didn't like it. So here's what it says. The ruler of the synagogue answered with indignation because because you ask well why why would he not like that because Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day because Jesus healed her on the day of worship the son of God healed one of his daughters on the day of worship and the religious folk didn't like it isn't that just stupid Religion can be stupid. Oh, somebody misunderstood me right there. No, no, no. No, we hate religion. Let me just be plain. Religion is stupid. We hate religion. We love Jesus. We are Christians. We are people of God. We are like Christ, but religion is a spirit, just like infirmity is a spirit. Religion is a spirit, just like murder can be a spirit. Religion is a spirit. And it enslaves entire people groups. You've heard me say that. So the ruler of the synagogue didn't like it because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath day, on the day of worship. So the religious ruler said to the crowd, watch this now. There are six days on which men ought to work. So he was calling what Jesus did work. It wasn't work to Jesus. It was an easy thing. He saw her and he touched her. No work involved. He didn't have to work at it. It wasn't, it wasn't a challenge for Jesus. It wasn't difficult for him. He didn't touch her by the sweat of his brow and, oh, no, he didn't have to do any of that. He just, he just touched her. But the religious, the haters, you always have haters. The, the haters said, there are six days on which men ought to work. Watch this. Therefore, come and be healed on them on one of those six days. Any day but the Sabbath. Any day but the day of worship. Any day but the day of worship in the, in the day, on the day of worship with the Son of God. Any other day you can come and be healed on that day. Now, it's interesting here that he said there are six days. You know what the number six means in the Bible? Six is the number of the flesh. The number of man. On the sixth day, God created man, and he breathed into man the breath of life, and man became a living soul. And six is the number of man, or the number of the flesh. And many times we try to do things by the arm of the flesh rather than by the Spirit of God. We try to do it ourselves. There are preachers that try to preach in the arm of the flesh. There are singers that try to sing in the arm of the flesh. There are people that try to build ministries in the arm of the flesh. We will never do it in the arm of the flesh. If you're doing it in the flesh, it's only with your talent. It's only with your abilities, and they will fail. Scripture, please. I've got one. The Lord said, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain who build it. So here's what it says. There are six days, six days, the days of the flesh, where men ought to work. Therefore, come and be healed on them and not on the Sabbath. The Lord answered and said to him, hypocrite. Don't you just love that? jesus just called it like he saw it he looked at the religious leader i can just see him going hypocrite you ain't nothing but a hypocrite you claim to be a religious leader you're a hypocrite he called him out and he said does not each one of you hypocrites religious leaders he was he was putting them in a box together Do not each one of you loose his ox, his own ox, or his own donkey from the stall and lead it away to water? In other words, he was calling them out. And he was saying, you're calling me, calling what I did work. He's saying, this is more work than what I've done. He said, you do it. You take your ox, you take your donkey, you lead them away, you water them, you feed them. Verse 16, so ought not this woman, now watch this, being a daughter of Abraham. Notice that nowhere in this scripture do we hear her name. She never has a name. We don't know who she is. We don't know what her name is. But right here, Jesus just elevated her. He gave her an identity. He put a a mark on her. He said, she is a daughter of Abraham. We are the sons and daughters of Abraham. Abraham is the father of our faith. And he said, see this woman being a daughter of Abraham who Satan had bound for 18 long years. Think of it. He said, should she not be loosed? From this bond any day of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, or Sunday, whatever day it is, should she not, does she not have the right to be loosed from her bondage on the Sabbath day? This is the Sabbath day. You have the right. Luke 13, 17, and when Jesus said these things, all of his adversaries were put to shame. He shamed them and all the multitude, they rejoiced for all the glorious things that were done by him. You see, Jesus was right. The haters were wrong. What they did was wrong. He said, Should she not rejoice? Should we all not rejoice? Let me tell you this her posture was bent. But immediately when he touched her, she stood up straight, and the first thing she did was glorify God. Don't miss this. Our posture, no matter how broken we've been, should always be to bring glory to God. Our posture should always be worship. Our posture should always be praise. Our posture should always be thanksgiving. I love the song last Sunday. I am the one. There were ten, but only one came back to give him praise. I am the one. I am the praiser. I am the worshiper. I am the one to give glory to God. No matter my past, I'm going to praise him right now. Get up on your feet and let's praise him now. Let's worship him now. hallelujah hallelujah thank you jesus 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 we praise you lord we bless you lord We thank you for the anointing. We thank you for breakthrough. We thank you for miracles today. We thank you, Lord, that we are loose from our infirmities today. We thank you, Lord, that we are loose from our problems, our past, our pain, our circumstances, our situation, that you have loosed us today And, Lord, we stand and lift up our voices and lift our hands to praise you right now. We give you praise and honor in the mighty name of Jesus. Come on, lift up a praise, lift up a shout, lift up holy hands right now and honor him.